I'm Stina. I'm Danielle. We want to focus on uh, television and movies in particular. Yes. Disclaimer that we are in no way film experts. A deep, like, dive. Be quiet. Whoa. I'm yelling. Back me up on this one. (laughs) Hey, you're listening to Two Girls Watch TV. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Two Girls Watch TV. I'm Danielle. And I'm Stina. I do have to share something with you. I, we kind of talked about it off cam- camera, camera, but now I want to say it on camera. Well, not necessarily camera, but being recorded. Well, I see. Yeah. On recorded. Doesn't have the same edge. The same ring. Yeah, no, it just doesn't. It's like, it's like almost there, but it's not quite. Um, I want everyone to know that I have the most patient best friend. <laughs> How so? The Do, most I, forgiving and most patient best friend. And prettiest and most beautiful and... Uh, All of those things, but patience, I now realize, is at the top of the list. Because I listened to our episode last week. And I'm not apologizing because you told me not to apologize. You, you, I'm just thanking you for being such a good friend. I definitely did lose my patience a little bit. And for all of our listeners, go uh, listen back and try to figure out where Danielle was like, uh, uh uh-huh, okay, moving on. (laughs) There were a couple of times where I was like, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. It's okay. It was like Michael Scott where he's like, Sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going to go. I just figure it out. Honestly, that's how I speak 99% of the time. It's true. I do it so often. Which is a shame for me because my brain and my mouth just do not match up a lot of the time. So sometimes it is just like... My brain moves faster than my mouth and then I start to combine words. That happens to me too. Sometimes my brain will be like five steps ahead of my mouth. And I think I'm making sense and I'm not. And like a sentence is like a word because your mouth is just trying to catch up. Yep. Yep. Crazy. It's crazy Wild. how the brain works. Wild. Do you hear barking? It's Otis. He's barking at Dave? Yeah. Okay. Classic Otis. Classic Otis. <laughs> All the time. Um, so I do have an opener for this. Oh, Good, because that's all I have. Okay. So, I just to publicly thank you for your friendship. I appreciate it because you know what? You do the same for me. That's the I, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the thing. This goes both ways. So I called my mother this Tuesday. Uh-oh. And I told her that we watched this documentary. Mm-hmm. And I love documentaries. I like getting engrossed in a true events here's what happened, take me to the moment. It's one of my favorite pastimes. It's how I like to spend a Friday evening with a glass of wine and a documentary. Um, And I get this from my mother because my mother is also a true crime lady. So when I called her, I knew that she already knew all the information. Like, it wasn't a thought in my mind. And (laughs) since this did technically happen in our lifetime... Uh, What we're talking about today is the uh, Waco documentary, American Apocalypse. If you did not read the little intro, I'm sure you did. Um, It's a new documentary on Netflix. And I asked my mom, do you remember this? Because I don't remember this. And she's like, yes, I do remember this. You don't remember this, Danielle? You were actually three years old. Or no, I was probably two and a half. It's probably two and a half years old. Or two years old. If it was February. No, it was April... It was almost two and a half years old. If it was April 19th of 1993, I was two going on three. And my mom said that I had a horrible, horrible fever and I was, you know, not feeling well and I was home and she was watching this whole thing play out on April 19th on the <laughs> television. She's like, 
yeah, you were there. You were alive. I was like, yeah, but I wasn't coherent to understand what was happening. And also I was really sick. So, you know, what to do in that situation. But it is funny to think about where I was and <laughs> how young I was when this happened. Yeah, we were very much so. Yeah. Um, I also like documentaries. Same. But I don't know if I liked this one. Uh, you know what? Let's jump right into it because I think and I've never. Okay, we will. I've just never. I don't think I've ever found myself saying I didn't like this documentary before. Yeah, what? yeah. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. I think that our thoughts are going to be similar. Okay. So I have a couple. You have a couple. I have a couple. Okay. Literally just a couple. Okay. <laughs> So uh, you can watch this Waco documentary uh, on Netflix. It came out March 22nd, officially. Um, But if you're struggling, just type in, like, new Waco documentary if you can't remember the whole title. Yeah, because Christine and I had a whole conversation, like, are we doing the Waco documentary or the Waco TV show? And she's like, whatever's on Netflix. I'm like, both are on Netflix. What are we doing? And then there's another one on Amazon Prime, and there's another one somewhere else. So we are talking about Waco, American Apocalypse, Apocalypse. and it's also very interesting that we're recording recording this recording this on April twentieth when April nineteenth was yesterday when like I I finished it yesterday. Very crazy, crazy stuff. And I was like, oh my god, this was twenty years ago today. Yeah, wild. Twenty years ago. Well, it was 1993, right? 30 years ago. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a second. That would mean we'd be 10 years old. You know what's funny to me anyway? I don't know why I do this, but whenever I talk about math, I say things with such confidence. I should have no confidence when it comes to math skills, but I say things with such confidence that people are almost afraid to be like, or, or they like hesitate. They're like, oh, right. And then like, they take a second. They're like, wait a minute. I feel like that's wrong. But, and I could tell like, by the way that they're looking at me, like they don't know how to disagree with me. Cause for some reason, when I say things with math, I'm like, it's obviously this. And everyone's like, yeah, or maybe not. <laughs> all right I am horrendous with math as well and you know I'm not confident with math whatsoever sometimes if you just say things with confidence they'll be true it's true I think I get that from my mother (laughs) I I won't tell her if you won't okay do you think she listens to this I don't think so everybody keep it a secret (laughs) don't tell Debbie don't tell my mom either that I mentioned her on this podcast okay this is shh We say that so we do that sequence so many times that when I recreate the theme song eventually, I'm just gonna put that in the theme song. <laughs> oh um, man. Okay. Do we have any awards or nominations, Danielle? No. No. This just came out like a month ago. Fresh. It's fresh. Fresh meat. Okay. A documentary about what happened in Waco, Texas in 1993 with David Koresh leading the Davidians in a small community which was seen as a threat to many. Okay, so David Koresh is our main guy. He's the leader of the Branch Davidian cult, as Christina said. All I wanted to do when you said that was go, leader of the pack. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. That all happens. Uh, He is a narcissist and master manipulator, which are two great things to be if you are a cult leader. Um, Three of the Branch Davidian survivors are uh, interviewed in this pod, in this podcast, also known as this documentary uh, that we're talking about on this podcast. Um, David Thibodeau and his mother, Belinda Genham, I think her last name is, Kathy Schroeder, and then Heather Jones. And then we have two, I mean, there are a bunch of people that are interviewed, but two of the big ones are the FBI hostage negotiator, Gary W. Nosner, and then the FBI hostage rescue team, Chris Whitcomb. So that's basically all I pulled. There were a bunch of other people interviewed. Um, that's enough. <laughs> 
So to get into the main gist of this, the Branch Davidians lasted 51 days in lockdown. Their leader, David Koresh, was suffering from major bullet wounds and working with feds to end the situation. Um, he let women and children be released like throughout those 51 days. But things took a turn when the higher-ups at the FBI were done funding the standoff. And when it results, on April 19th, the FBI took uh, took their tanks and ran them into Mount Carmel and deposited tear gas in there. It developed into, like, just basically them destroying Mount Carmel. Um, then a fire started. The FBI insists that the Davidians did it, as per David Koresh's vision of a fiery ending. And the Davidians insist that the FBI started the fire. Who started the fire? We don't know. Still unclear. This was majorly fumbled. Only nine survivors out of 80 pe- and 80 people perished. I'm not singing it. I'm just humming it. Okay. Okay. My turn? Yeah, your turn. Okay. So the last pieces that I have um, were Chris Whitcomb, which was uh, one of the FBI agents who had eyes on... David Koresh from the window say one of the last things that he saw from this burning building was somebody firing a gun that just missed his head. He commended them for their commitment to the cause. We find out that after the fire, there were about 80 people and 28 children that were killed in the fire. Heather Jones was the last child to make it out of Mount Carmel community alive. The last thing on the screen says for those who died and for those who survived. Yes. So what was the IMDb rating on this? 7 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave this an 81%, and the audience gave it a 65%. That's fair. I tend to agree with the 65% over the 81%. I agree. I don't know what the critics are are on with this one. It's interesting because my IMDb rating is like right smack in the middle of your two ratings. Yeah. It's, it's at, I think it's average at best. I agree. I can I read my review? Please. Okay. So I this is a 3 out of 10, but I don't think it's as negative as a 3 out of 10 sounds cuz 3 out of 10 is like for sure you're 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 fucking failing, you know? Yeah. But it's not it's it's more like it's like a bunch of inquiries. And I chose this because I had so many questions. I had about the same amount of questions after we watched this as I did when we saw Don't Worry Darling. Oh my god. Same amount of questions that are not answered, but I digress. Okay. Uh, Barely scrapes the surface. And this was written um, a day after it came out, March 23rd. Okay. The problem with this documentary is that it doesn't go into the details at all. It's just a collection of firsthand stories, but there was so much going on. Have yet to see a satisfactory doc or miniseries on this event. One, why was Koresh able to have multiple underage brides? Two, How did he become the leader? It's a dark story. Three, what laws were in the ATF? Gun laws were not, uh, gun laws were much less strict at that time. Four, why didn't the ATF call it off after everyone said the element of surprise was so critical? Five, why were the hostage rescue team and the hostage negotiators kept separate? Six, why was Gary sent packing? Seven, what information did Janet Reno actually see? Eight, How much tear gas was used? Um, Nine, who took the blame? You could have done a whole episode on any of these questions, but instead the producer just rehashed the common information anyone who paid attention knows. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. And you know what? What? I just think it would be really cool if they redid this series with all of the questions that people have like let's say it's a it, let's say it's a 10 part series we could eat these are all common questions that people want the answers to it would be great if each episode maybe it ends up being less time each episode but address each of these questions um i know that documentary series have had follow-up episodes based on new information not necessarily in the netflix perspective or in the netflix universe of documentaries but in the hbo universe of documentaries that's definitely happened um 
I think that the issue is a lot of those things may be held up with a lot of red tape from the FBI and from, you know, from people on the inside close to uh, the politician who okayed the tear gas. I feel like there are a bunch of things that may not be released yet and people want to keep away from a documentary like this. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. that that's where it could get hairy and that's where why people... I don't know. And but then at, why, why reinvent the wheel? Because this is like more of the same. Yeah, I think that I agree. Um, and I think that's one of my like, I mean, sorry, I don't know why I'm just saying, I think, I mean, I don't, um, I'm still trying to, to. No, that's okay. Well, why don't you do review? We okay. kind of just jumped right in. Sorry okay. about that. Okay. Um, three out of five stars. I picked a three, a three as well. Uh, honestly, I expected it to be a little bit more exciting to watch and pull me in more. The, that being said, the series was interesting, and I like that it showed different perspectives on the the event. I wished that they would maybe dig more into the origin of the cults and how David even started getting a following he had. Um, it was a good attempt at showing us one of the most memorable moments in the history of the U.S. Okay, I don't think that that is the most memorable moment in the history of the U.S. It, no, but it was like a, it was a big deal. It was a big deal, which is interesting to think about. And this is what really got my, like, my wheels turning in my head and me talking to my mom. Like, in 1993, something of this caliber hadn't happened and now, looking at it from 2023, with so much that has happened in our lives. Well, when did, uh, you mean like a cult? Because Jonestown not, was not, like. Not necessarily a cult, but like to the, to the point where like a individual group versus a government group were at odds and people were just glued to their TVs watching it unfold. Oh, okay. That, that kind of situation, like a scenario that took American society and like just glued them to what was happening in this one specific moment. And uh, you know that all people could talk about is like, oh, did you see what happened in Waco, Texas? Also, I'm going to mention this now before I forget it. I need to say a huge thank you to Chip and Joanna Gaines for rebranding Waco, Texas. Do you know who Chip and Joanna Gaines are? No. Oh my God. They have their whole, they have literally their own network. Like they have a huge deal with uh, HBO. They had a show called Fixer Upper where it was basically like an HGTV show. And oh, it, it, okay. It was based in Waco, Texas because that's where they're from. And they okay. would like buy the house for X amount and then they would like redo it and they would like get a good investment for their their family right, right, and then right. they like did a bunch of other stuff and they like redid a castle and now they have like a whole thing down in Waco, Texas but I think that it's so great that now when I think of Waco, Texas I think of Chip and Joanna Gaines and not the Branch Davidians yeah I mean that takes a lot yeah to kind of wipe everybody's minds without actually wiping their minds. Agreed. So, do we want to just talk about our lows of this first? I, so, I just want to preface this by saying I don't... We did documentaries on this, so I know that this outline works with documentaries. So, I'm going to give it a shot. But I do want to say that I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel this way. My opinions moving forward at this point have absolutely nothing to do with what happened, yeah. but have everything to do with how the information was presented to me and if I thought it was effective or ineffective. I agree with you 1,000%. Stamp of okay. approval. All right, cool. So I will say I'm just going to start with my biggest, my biggest and only low. I think there were some pieces that were lacking a lot of credibility. And it's really hard to take people's words for these things. And that's all we have to go off of. Mm -hmm. And it left me confused and with a lot of questions. Like they, the FBI would say something and then they 
they very conveniently didn't have anybody available to talk about it. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like to get specific, like you, you have people on there, like the woman who was in the bed with him. Mm. Forget her name. The woman, wait, which woman and who's him? Her kids got out. Or Kathy? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no, it's Kathy. She was in yellow. Yeah, it's Kathy. Yeah, so she would be like weirdly specific at times and then like not specific at all when it was like convenient. Yeah. And um, it was like, at first I was like, I want to believe everything she's saying because she was in there. But then I'm like, but maybe I shouldn't do that because she's probably still trying to defend him. Yeah, I think that she showed herself as an unreliable source very early on. And if you notice, like, her testimony kind of fizzled out a little bit. Um, just, I'm sure, like, whoever was doing the documentary, once they she said, like, that she supports 12-year-old girls being married to David Koresh. It's like, ooh. That was the moment where I'm like, ah. Which, okay. In that scenario, like, if you are interviewing someone and they say that, instead of, like, potentially pushing her on it or maybe even bringing in a specialist in, like, psychology to evaluate her, to give like their expertise, they just left it. And I felt like there was so much more that they could have done. Yeah, I mean, I um I I, I don't that was hard. That was hard because then it was like, um, that was the first piece of information that we got confirming. But that doesn't even confirm. To me, it doesn't confirm. I need to hear that you're doing sexual deeds to children we got to put some sort of trigger warning on this episode. Yeah. Um, but I, I need to hear that because that's, that's the absolute worst. I think that one of the absolute worst things that you can assume of a person, I think I that, need to hear those words. I think it was just very much mentioned rushed over. And then that was it. And I, to, I agree. And to your point about, um, with your review you know they basically ATF went into the uh to Waco to get the weapons that was like how it was presented to you like oh they were making their own weapons and this is illegal so we're going after them for that but there's no information about what they built their case upon how they had knowledge of this they just kind of like really breezed through it um, and that's not right. Well, I so think that it could have been expanded upon. The other thing is when they were in the, the people who were in the house said, this is real simple. How you figure this out? People who were in the house said that they bought and traded guns at gun shows. Where are the receipts? I mean, I, I don't know any specifics on buying and trading guns at gun shows. So I can't say about that. I just felt like... But if but if that's legal, if that's their version of legal, then where are the receipts? I mean... The easy way to fix them, they're not illegal guns. Right? I mean... No, no. There's It's more complicated than that because they were trading things at gun shows, but also they were manipulating their guns to be illegal. Like, there's a way to do that. Oh, that's And I they mentioned that, that. Like, there's a difference between making a gun semi-automatic to automatic. Got it. I missed that yeah. part. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's what they were going after them for specifically. Okay. Not the children. God forbid we put the children, Not the children. first. But also... Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. in my heart for kids. I just think that, like, there was so much going on and it was just really brushed over, breezed over. You don't know anything about David Crush. You don't know why he became the way that... He, or how he became the way that he did. Um, they just mentioned it very briefly. Also, they interviewed three Branch Davidians. To be fair, not a lot of them survived, but there are survivors out there. 
I don't know why that was funny. I'm so sorry. Well, that was a thought I had. I was like, how are they only interviewing like three of these people when they're making it seem like they live in a freaking metropolis? And then I got to the end. I'm like, oh, okay, that's why. But there were all those kids that were released from prison or not from prison. Oh my God. Well, to them, it might have been. Well, no, to them, it was paradise. They were released from Mount Carmel. So like, what happened to them? I don't know. I think there could have been so, and again, there was just a lack of psychoanalysis of any person trying of like what their motives were or just, you know, what's happening here. Just completely just lack. And I, so it, and it was, it, it toyed back and forth with me because I was, I was empathetic to both parties, but then at one point the thought happened to me, oh, this just wants me to feel sorry. Like they just want me to feel sorry for the FBI. But then, but then I didn't think that way because, um, they showed the videos of, um, them with the, them with the weapons and the, uh, no, it wasn't that scene. I think it was, I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was, but then I was like, Oh, now I think that the, the officers, right? So I don't know if they were told like that, but I definitely felt like I was supposed to feel sorry for these FBI agents, and I just didn't. Um, I don't think I did. I definitely didn't. I don't. It's not that I don't think I did. I did not. I feel like, like I only believe Gary. He is the only person that's true in this whole thing. The fucking negotiator. Yeah. He was the only one with his head screwed on all the way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. It, there, I feel like they interviewed just like a lot of unreliable sources and it was just hard to figure out what the real story was to the point where at the end, you don't know who started the fire. No one knows who started the fire. <laughs> it makes sense that it was the Davidians and they let, they foreshadowed that in the beginning when they were talking about David Koresh's like vision, but... Right. We don't know if that's true. I, I don't know either. There was one little audio clip that is him asking where the fuel is. And somebody says, we use two of them. But again, I, I need more. Does that yeah. mean that they use it for the fire? Were they using it for cooking? Like they only have so many resources in the community at this point. There have to be people who are trying to recreate it and understand things. Be- like... I feel like there were just lack of modern day experts. There were They were interviewing people who were in this current moment, but there wasn't a third party person who were experts being like, I'm an expert in this. And I have been, you know, thinking about this and this really caught my attention. And I'm, you know, bu- 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 I'm recreating this and this is what I believe. And yeah. here are my like breakthrough evidence. Like I felt like that piece was missing. I feel like the people who would find this fascinating are the are the people who really know nothing about it. I mean, I found it interesting because I knew nothing about it. So that's why I was like, okay, here's some story presented to me, but I do think that it could have been presented better and it could have it it skipped over so many parts and it rushed through so many things, so much information that it didn't pull me in the way that other documentaries pulled me in. I agree. And I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking about it. And I I think that, I think that this might be why you tell me if this works for you, but it kind of works for me Okay. in terms of like having questions after a documentary. I feel like a lot of good documentaries either wrap up questions, like they tie up all their loose ends or they make the question so obvious because it's also a question for them. They're like, this is something that we're figuring out. We know it's something that you're thinking of you know, where do we go next? And then they'll be like, if you have any information, like, did you watch the Madeline McCann one? Mm-mm. No. Very, very well done. Okay. Very interesting. Very intriguing. Um, and spoiler alert, they never found her. So yeah. at the end of each episode, it says like, if you have any, it's eerie. Oof. It's fucking eerie. Um, but it's very well done. And so the question is so clear for every, for every episode there. But they didn't make their questions clear. They kind of like, they try, it's like they took like half of the, a third of the loose ends. Yeah. Tied those up. 
like tucked everything else under the rug and they're like, look, we did it. We figured it out. I'm going to say something that's a little mean, but you know what? I'll say it. It felt like an A&E documentary. I don't know. It felt like something that belonged on like basic cable and not on Netflix. Even just the way that like they cut to the interviews where it was like, like it was that swooshy, like, and, and this guy said this. And then this person said that. Mm-hmm. David Thibodeau like is a liar. Don't believe him. It's like, it felt a little bit like that. How about when they have them like standing still and like raising an eyebrow and yeah. there's like a pan shot from like their chest all the way up to their forehead? Oh God. It just, it felt like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I hundred percent. I, cause I was thinking like, what are we doing here? He's not even talking. They're just showing a picture of him. I mean, and we, I would like to think that you and I are documentary aficionados at this point. Uh, maybe you more than me, but I do like a good documentary. I like one that pulls me in so much that I can't help but clear my schedule and watch the entire documentary. Uh, Dear Zachary? I don't know that one. You're not supposed to tell anybody anything about it. You're not supposed to look anything up about it. You're just supposed to watch it. Okay. Fair. I think it's Dear Zachary. Fair. Do we have any highs? Oh, I, uh, I, I guess a high that I had was like, at least the people that they interviewed, there was a variety of them. So mm-hmm. like people in the cult, uh, people in the community, people in the, um, <laughs> 40 and slip. um, you have FBI agents, you have negotiators, you have, uh, news reporters, you have journalists. So I thought the variety there was was some was pretty good to add on to your point i agree with you 100 percent because i loved the introduction of david thibodeau's mom her talking was one of my highlights because you got and i would love to hear more about her because that's a woman who has knows that her son is doing wrong like she is fully aware that her son is in a cult and that He is not living his life the way that he should. But that doesn't matter when she finds out that he could potentially be in danger and she goes all the way from California to Texas. She's the really interesting person in this whole scenario. Yeah, I agree. That's a good, it was another good angle. Yeah. And then, you know, her growing this bond with someone else's mother who went down there and she lost her daughter and granddaughter in the fire. Like that is such an, such a fascinating angle. So I really liked that aspect of things, but again, it was just rushed. I didn't get enough information on that. I agree. I needed more. Um, Did you have any other highs or lows? No, that was, that was about it. What did you eat? So I've been on my Trader Joe's kick uh oh. And you know what? I needed like a little snicky, a little snacky. And I definitely have talked about these on this podcast before. If you go to Trader Joe's and you, now that it's getting warmer, I mean, I can eat this all year round, but now that, especially now that it's getting warmer, and you start to feel the craving for ice cream. Ah. Uh. Go get the Hold the Cones. They are mini ice cream cones, and they are absolutely delicious. So I had a little mini chocolate-covered ice cream cone while I was watching this. That does sound good. Are they, um, do they have dairy in them? They make a dairy-free option. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe we do that. Um I think I texted you that. I think I was at the store and I saw it. uh, Just spit on my computer. Um, And I just ratted myself out for spitting on my computer. You didn't have to tell us. It was shocking. I was like, poof. I didn't even see it. I don't know. I'm producing a lot of saliva over here. Um, I think I texted you when I was in the store and I saw them that they made a dairy-free option. You did. That's right. That's right. That's right. I remember that. Also, also you did not respond back to me when I saw that Yankees car drove drive past my uh, apartment this morning. Oh, I thought. 
oh my god i didn't open it i just looked at it and i was like why is she sending me a car through the screen on her window i thought that was a screen no no it's a pinstripe yankees toyota oh my god i first of all i love that but um i need you to do you remember the song that came out like in the early 2000s like early early 2000s it was like yankees how you doing and they used to play it on the radio like all the time yes Yankees, how you doing? Yes, I'm familiar with the song. <laughs> my dad used to play that all the time. No, not movie. your father. Oh, yeah. Shocker, I know. <laughs> the <laughs> man who watched, you could get with this or you could get with you that. He has sold commercial 25 million times. Uh, it was a song about the Yankees, Danielle. What did you think was going to happen? That's his bread and butter. <laughs> So when we were picking out the music for our wedding, I was like, this has to go on the playlist. He's like, what is this? I was like, I'll play it for you. Don't worry. Dave didn't know what it was? No. Was he too (laughs) young? Like, I don't get that. (laughs) It's unless you're a Yankees fan, people might not know that. Unless you listen to Z100 in the early 2000s, you would know it. I was going to say, I think KTU used to play it all the time. Yeah, that's weird. Was it played at your wedding? I don't remember. No, he wouldn't let me put it on the playlist. Damn it, Dave. Always find something to complain about Dave on this podcast. <laughs> Damn it, Dave. <laughs> Ruin everything. <laughs> oh, boy. We'll keep that a secret. <laughs> Shh. He doesn't, he doesn't listen to the podcast either. No. Shh. It's very rare. Oh, wow. So, it's very rare because I feel like I would get yelled at by now. <laughs> Yeah, so we're open. Don't tell Dave, my mom, or Christina's mom anything that we say on this podcast. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so what was your snack break? I So night one, I watched the first episode, and I had some dark chocolate with orange and almond slivers. Mm. Slivers. Slivers. And um, on night two, I was like, um, it's warm. I want a salad. Excuse me. And so I defrosted pork and I was like, well, I don't know if I want. So then I was like, oh, I'll slice the pork real, real thin. And I'll put it in my salad. And there's something so magical about having pork with dates. So I chopped up dates mm. and salad and also apple slices Ooh. and then like regular salad stuff. But that, that like sweet from the apple and the now I spit on my computer. <laughs> The sweetness from the apple and the dates with the pork, really good. What um, what kind of dressing did you put on this? I have a Greek dressing that is like vegan, so okay. it's not gonna kill me. Um, vegan creamy dill dressing from Trader Joe's. In the like, it's in the refrigerated section, like with okay. all the produce. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I've been putting it on everything this week. I was just saying today, actually, that I need to find a vegan blue cheese. I don't know if they... I don't think they have a vegan blue cheese. I know. I know. Go to Whole Foods. I'm sure Whole Foods has it. I got... Yeah, that's probably... Or Primal Kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Um, um, moving right along. <laughs> what was So what was your expectation going into this? Um, I literally listed out my favorite documentaries and I was like, it's not there. These are all so much better than this documentary on Netflix. My favorite Netflix documentary. So you ready for my list? Uh Uh-huh. Starting from last watched or most recently watched to like the farthest back. I don't know. It's nine it's 10 o'clock at this point. I have no clue where my brain is right now. The Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal. You watched it? Oh. Okay. Pulled me the F in. And I also had to watch the HBO one. You know it's so good when you get wrapped up in something where you have to watch the documentary on both uh, Netflix and the other, like, thing that it's on. So, like, that one, there was one on HBO, which I actually watched first, and then I watched this one on Netflix, and this one had a lot more information. Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey, so good. Very similar. Um, It's the fundamentalist uh, Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. 
And that one, that guy is very similar to David Koresh. I wish what they did for that documentary, I wish they did for this documentary. Uh, that's a really good expectation, I think. Um, Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. That's fucking insane. That was a wild documentary. We watched that one. Oh my lord in heaven. And it was so well done. It we was, should do that. We should. We should. Absolutely fantastic. If, if you guys want to hear us talk about Trainwreck, Woodstock 99, I will 1000% talk about it. That was a three-part documentary. Compare, comparing these two, both, oh, both three-part no. documentaries. Then again, Woodstock 99 documentary is perfect because it is in three consecutive days that this happened. Yeah. And it just built up and built up and built up throughout those three days. And you could you felt like you were the person at that doc, at that concert getting more annoyed and more annoyed and more annoyed. But to add on to um, specialists in the Woodstock 99 documentary, when they were talking about the water and how the fecal matter had gotten into the water, did they not have the specialists come in and talk about what happened and the water sourcing and they provided the information? Did they not? They didn't they have did. it. Didn't have this with this. Okay. I know. I know. Um, I mean, I expect it. Go ahead. Sorry. Fire Festival. We all remember when we watched all the Fire Festival documentaries. And then Blackfish, which is about. Um, SeaWorld uh, whales and the one orca that killed the SeaWorld instructor. Oh. That one's really good. Okay. Yeah. Um, you should watch the Madeline McCann one. I don't remember if it's on HBO or Netflix, but it's really good. Okay. I'll add it to the list. Um, if you want to watch another really fucked up uh, documentary, it's on Hulu. And it is about the Sarah Lawrence sex cult. Oh. Where a father, when it what okay i larry ray is his name and i forget what the name of the documentary is but larry ray sarah lauren sex cult it's on hulu that is a wild documentary it's basically like a father of this girl who was in college in 2011 randy bells uh moves into her his daughter's dorm and then basically like manipulates all of the kids and like winds up running a sex ring it's wild absolutely wild oh my god yeah but okay okay that all being said i'm listing out all these documentaries that have made me be like how on earth could something like this happened and this documentary has that potential like it is there and it makes you like question humanity <laughs> that's what i like to walk away from a documentary just questioning <laughs> humanity and all of those elements are in this documentary but the way that it was done it did not leave me with that same feeling because it really wasn't that deep my like my review's title is scratching the surface i think that's really what this was yeah but I was thinking, what's the documentary we did? And I was surprised that you didn't say it, but mainly I was hoping that you would because I forgot the name of it. I the Love Guy You Now Die? Yeah. Yeah, that's an HBO documentary. My HBO documentaries are on a separate list. Separate list. Got it, got it, got it. So, yeah, I thought it was going to be like that where we look at the documentary from the people inside. We look at the people um for the police department and we look at the people outside. I thought it was going to be like that where mm -hmm. you look at it from different angles. And I feel like that also would have been a better way. I agree so, with you. I think that if you had people who lived in that area during the time and you interviewed them, I think that would have been added a different touch to it so that you would have gotten the impact that the Branch Davidians had on Waco in general. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're only going to scratch the surface. Yeah. I feel like if you were to organize it that way, it you could, the title would, the if you change the title around a little bit, I feel like um, you can make information that just scratches the surface work if you just reorganize it in a way that's more effective. Mm -hmm. And so it could have been a perspective documentary um, where we just analyze the perspectives of, 
but I would, I would still agree with you to bring in like specialists Mm -hmm. and have the specialists analyze the people in the cult, the specialists analyze the people who were, um, you know, on target for the FBI. And then the people who like lived in the community around or third party people that like analyzed it from a distance with their own research. Even like, yes, even like a ballistics specialist so that we could get a clear understanding of why the ATF was going after them. Being like, okay, so I am a specialist in guns. This is, you know, the potential of X. This is what they were doing. And this is why they were an actual threat. Like, right. there needed to be more. Um, which, again, we just discussed over and over again. Yeah, and I mean, I think we just expected more. Because, we did. Because, yeah. Because if, we but if have... You watch it, if you don't watch documentaries often, this is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you've never heard of this, this is a good place to start, mm-hmm. I think, is a better way to phrase it. Um, sorry, Pauline, you recommended this one. It was entertaining. Don't don't get us wrong. Yeah, no, I think, and I think, uh, I really, like I said, the people, the, the variety of people that they interviewed, I thought was a good, a yeah. good variety pack. I agree. <laughs> um, did you have an IRL moment? Um there's that video of the kids at the um like the foster home once they were released from mount carmel Mm -hmm. and the one there was a scene where one kid like goes to a bookshelf that has just vhs's and just grabs a vhs and looks at the camera it's like ah and starts screaming i most definitely did that in the 90s as well (laughs) i definitely freaked out over a vhs Hopefully it was rewound before I tried to put it in the, what's the thing that played VHSs? VCR. <laughs> oh my God. What's the thing? What's the magical box where we put our VHS? Oh my in? God. Wow. That's how long it's been since I've used a fucking VCR that I just completely forgot the word for it. The VCR, the VHS player. VHS player. Honestly, that I'm not gonna go into it. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it <laughs> because because we're done, and I'm not gonna do it. I did. I couldn't see which VHS it was specifically, but it was definitely Disney themed. The amount. Can I get a figure of how much money Disney made selling VHSs in the '90s? Do you want me to look this up now? No, 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 no. Someone, you know what? That's a good interactive thing. Someone DM me the figure. <laughs> Someone do our work for us. Yeah. Get back to me. Um, I didn't have an IRL moment other than the fact that I was just in Texas. Not Waco, but I was in Texas. There you go. Was it close to Waco, San Antonio? Um, I don't know. Yeah, my geography of Texas is a little shoddy, aka non-existent. Have you ever been to Texas? No. Uh, nope, that's not true. I once had a layover in the Houston airport. That does not count. Let me tell you, there is a giant bronze statue of George H.W. Bush. Just, I had, I ate a meal in that airport, so that has to count. I, okay. I um, went to <laughs> the Olive Garden to go in that airport, and you're going to tell me that that doesn't count? I spent, I spent money there, all right? How dare you? How dare you say I went to an Olive Garden anywhere and that counts as a meal? I don't know. It, maybe it was an Applebee's to go. I don't know. It was like something, something like that. It was like, oh, Shame. I, I need to Shame. get away from George H.W. Bush because he's staring at me a little bit creepily. So I'm going to go eat food over here. I'm going to ha- go have some popcorn shrimp over here. Um, I did look it up, though, while we had this moment together. And it's about three, three and a half hours away. Oh, I thought you were going to look up how much money Disney made on selling VHSs. No, you told me not to look that up, but I could... They make three, three and a half hours worth of money. Yeah, I heard three point. I'm, I'm like, that seems like such a low number for Disney to make. Okay, I'm going to look it up. Three and a half oh. hours away, that's not far. Yeah, but I'm not going to do that, you know? No. To go to Waco? Nah. No, no, sorry to anyone who lives in Waco. 
how much money did Disney make? I don't know if we're ever going to find this number. On VHSs in the 90s. All right. You just want the 90s? I'm just getting information about how they're worth a fortune today, apparently, if they're, like, sealed. Um, okay. So, I don't know how much money they made, but the best-selling VHS in the 1990s, you want to take a guess? Oh, The Lion King. Yes. Um, with sales reaching 32 million copies and the revenue being $520 million. Oh, my sweet Jesus. And that was for Lion King alone. And so, that's also in $1995. So. $1995. <laughs> That'll be $399 in $1995, please and thank you. Oh, my gosh. How much did a VHS cost? Indiv I, I don't remember them being a lot of money. Individual tapes were about $2.50. So think about how many. No. I don't want to think about it. So I I don't know. I'm not about to do the math of $2.50 times $32 million, This is depressing. Okay. I need to stop thinking about this. I'm just upset that it was only two fifty, dollars And now they're like, that DVDs, when they came out, everything started at $20. That's, that's life. That's life in the big city. You remember how much gas was? Oh, don't remind me. I just passed the place. Three thirty nine again. Yeah. It's up there. Gas is more a gallon of gas is now more expensive than a DVD in 1995. <laughs> and that DVD will last you a lot longer if you treat it kindly. I probably still have DVDs, uh, not DVDs, VHSs. Have we been saying DVDs this whole time? No, we've been saying VHSs. I don't know. Listen back and let me uh -oh. know. <laughs> oh no. I know. I'm pretty sure I just I just fucked it up when I said DVDs now cost twenty dollars. So after that, I I don't know. Okay. But before that, we've been saying I think VHS. Let's let's hope. Let's hope. All right. And on that note, I mean we're done. We we're are just, done. We're out of here. So that's it. Um, thank you all so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Hey It's Two Girls. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Classic Stina. Danielle's on Instagram at Danielle Kobianki. You can send us an email. We're looking for a May schedule. And in June, we're doing another Director's Month, which will be Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> coming soon. So if you have suggestions, Two girls watch TV at gmail.com. Two is spelled out T-W-O. And check out the YouTube channel, Two Girls Drink Beer. All right, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weeks, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. What's up?